It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today, we are talking all about why some teams win and others don't. And I'm going to kick off this segment today talking about, there was a show that we did, oh gosh, it was probably in November. And so my friend, Jesse Cole, you'll remember him. He wore the yellow suit with the yellow hat and he talked all about the Savannah bananas. So if you listen to this on the radio, what he was, wear, what he was wearing made no impact on you. But if you're seeing it on TV through our binge network, you remember seeing him. Jesse is full of life. You probably heard Jesse's voice and how how confident he is. Now, Jesse runs a team that is winning right now. They play banana ball. So they play baseball, it's the collegiate type team, but they play banana ball, which is their own version of baseball. They don't have walks because they said in life, we don't walk, we run. And so they have created their own set of rules. Now, the best thing about Jesse Cole and his team, the Savannah Bananas, is that they're going on a world tour. When Jesse started the world tour last year, two years ago, I don't remember the exact timing of it, He had a world tour with one destination. And he thought when he made that, we talked about it on the show. Well, he said, wow, like, how could I have a world tour with one destination? But he said, we're just, everybody's got to start somewhere. And he launched the world tour. Well, now this year he's doing a world tour with a lot more locations. And one of them happens to be in Kansas City, Missouri, which is about three hours from my hometown in Des Moines, Iowa. And this morning, I got my banana ball tickets. I'm so excited to go see the banana balls or go see the bananas play banana ball in Kansas City with, I believe it's the Monarchs that they're playing, which is this Kansas City team. So Jesse and his team enrolled this other team in playing banana ball with them. This other team has never played banana ball, but they're willing to come and play. And so the entire experience has been incredible. I got an email about registering for my tickets And then I saw that you could only register for six. Well, I wanted nine tickets. So I sent an email on Saturday of all times to this random email. And I thought maybe somebody will respond. Maybe they won't. But I got an email back right away saying, hey, Kathleen, if you're available, let's talk now so I can get you these nine tickets. What we haven't announced yet, but there's going to be a May 7th showing. It's our secret gift to you. Would you like to go May 6th? I can do open seating or May 7th, I can do reserve seating. Just send a note back with your cell number so that I can call you and we can get these tickets purchased. I mean, how cool was that? So then I responded and I said, I'd like nine tickets. We're going on Friday, May 6th. This is very exciting. She says, I will call you at 9.30 on Monday morning. So I just talked with her. She called. I gave her my credit card number. We got the tickets. I said, how are sales going? We had a wonderful interaction. And then I shot Jesse a note and said, I'm coming to see you in Kansas City. I had right before I did all or right after I did all that stuff, I had an email in my inbox with the tickets and a video that they had produced that was sharing how excited they were to have a new world tour fan. It was so cool. I watched the video. It was their whole team and their Nana. They have these, this Nana cheering crowd. Listen to the, that episode. You'll hear all about it. And so I got to really be a part of the experience. They said that when I take the tickets on Friday night, a banana, yes, a banana will accept my tickets. They told me to drink lots of water. I don't know why, but I got to drink lots of water. And they told me to trust them. So they, they lined up why I should care about this and how I could prepare. How cool is that? 
So when we talk about some teams that are winning and others aren't, this is the perfect example of a team that's winning. They could have just as easily said, here are our schedules for the summer. Would you like a ticket? But that wouldn't have been as exciting because I'll tell you what, I have a, a team here that I could go to that I haven't bought tickets for, that I haven't shared on Facebook that I'm going, which I did, that I haven't invited my friends to come play at this game with me. So why was I excited or am I excited about the bananas coming, but I'm not excited about buying tickets for my local team that's right here. And here it's because of the experience that they're creating. They're creating this incredible experience. And I know that what it took to do that, what Jesse Cole led his team through is no different than what you can lead your team through. And it starts with having a vision. It starts with having a vision. When I look at teams that succeed and teams that fail, it does not matter whether you've got all A players on your team or you've got B, C, and D level players. When I say A level player or B, C, D, I mean the people that are technically proficient. They're the ones that are independently stars. If I was going to put a team together and you said, hey, Kathleen, you can have all of the best players, like all the A players, meaning they're all really, really great at what they do individually. Or you can have the B players, they're not quite as technically proficient, but they're really great. And they are open to playing as a team. Who would you pick? Any day, I would pick the B players over the A individual players that don't want to play team. And that in and of itself, that's something about how we put our team together. But then we want to look at vision. Okay, so, so let's just say you got these A players or B players or F players. It doesn't really matter. You got these people on this team. And they got to have a vision and know where they're going. Well, now, when Jesse had this vision for Banana Ball, there were a lot of people that weren't a big fan of it. And again, go listen to that episode. He talks all about it. But we've got lots of people that we brought in on these shows that, that I've been airing here for the last year and a half, almost two years. And they'll show you that in the beginning, people weren't bought into their vision. And I've had that experience too, where companies that I've created or initiatives that I've kicked off the ground, when I first created Measured Intentions, people laughed at me. People said to me, well, at least you've got, a, you've got your old job you could always go back to. They didn't see where we were headed. But just a few years later, I had people putting in their application or talking to me about potentially working at Measured Intentions because they wanted to be on board with where we were headed. And so what's the difference about why some, team wins, some teams win and others don't? You've got to have a clear vision. And you've got to be able to paint it to the world. Show them what you're up to, regardless of whether or not they get it in the moment. When somebody doesn't get your vision, it doesn't mean they don't want to. It just means there's something that's blocking them from being able to see it. It may be how you're portraying it. It may be there weren't enough details for them. It may be that they don't like it and they don't want to be a part of it right now. And that's okay too. But that doesn't mean that you stop or that it's wrong. And so teams that have a powerful vision, they all know where they're headed. And you can mark this. You can test this by going to each of the team members and saying, hey, why are you a part of this team? What's the purpose of this team? Now, as somebody leading a team, I can tell you what I think the purpose of the team is, but the purpose of the team is going to be defined by the team. And so we, you go around, check with your team members. What's the purpose of this team? Why are we here? And see what they say. 
the ideal is that they all say the same thing and they all say what you want them to say when those are all connected then you have a powerful vision but if they're not connected then you got a breakdown in your vision and if we have a breakdown in our vision we don't you can just end this show right now because if you don't have a powerful vision and you don't have your team members enrolled in the vision then your team cannot win now if you're wondering how do i create a powerful vision that was last week's show we spent a lot of time talking about how do you create a vision and how do you enroll other people in that vision so go check that out but that's the first piece of really creating a successful team and a team that can win versus those that don't is have a powerful vision and share it with your team members check that their vision is your vision that it's a shared vision because if you've got just one person that has a vision that doesn't really align with anybody else then you've got a breakdown in vision and so that is really important the second thing that I see why some teams win and others don't is that there's very unclear roles. So nobody really knows what anybody's up to. One of my favorite explanations of this actually happens. We're talking about baseball today. Let's continue with that theme. So I was coaching my son's little league team. I've shared this story with you before, and I'm going to bring it forward again. So this was, I just coached last year, my youngest son, he's nine, and I'm coaching his little league team. And I'm standing at first base, because I'm the first base coach. And the first base, in nine-year-old baseball, first base is pretty important. I think it is in, in older baseball too, but at nine, they're just starting to figure out how to throw the ball, how to catch the ball, how to get outs. Because you watch six-year-old baseball, you don't get out. All you got to do is hit it off the tee and you get on the base. They're really just practicing running the bases so that somebody runs from home to first to second to third to back to home versus to third, second, first, and then home. We're really just working on the pattern of running. But by the time you get to 9U baseball, it's really we're, we're working on the fundamentals of catching the ball, throwing it, learning to get somebody out while we're running bases. So there's a lot more going on. Well, if in six-year, six-U baseball, if somebody throws the ball to first base, what normally happens is it goes way over the first baseman's head, and then the first baseman has to run to get it. Well, if a parent is there at first base as a first base coach, I can catch the ball and I can hand it back to the first baseman. But by the time we're in nine-year-old baseball, you can't do that anymore. You can't interrupt the game by catching it for somebody else. And so in nine-year-old baseball when I'm standing at first base and a ball goes over the first baseman's head I watch it I don't indicate where it is and I stand there and see whether the right fielder or the first baseman will go after it what will happen but I don't indicate with my mouth or any other gestures I can't interrupt the gameplay and that is so hard for me especially if the ball is right by my feet all I want to do is pick up the ball and hand it to the first baseman or I don't know save that step and just throw it into the pitcher because watching these in, at nine-year baseball these runners they've got it figured out if the ball is just sitting there they'll just go to the next base they'll run to second or to third and so to watch these kids get these extra bases because maybe the first baseman's not paying attention or doesn't know where the ball is whatever that is that can be really really frustrating but I know that I have a very clear role and my role is not to pick up the ball. 
And so think about that in your organization. Do you have clearly defined roles on your team so that people know that they aren't supposed to pick up the ball, that this is what they do, whatever that is for them, that they know what their lane is. It doesn't mean you can't support somebody else. It doesn't mean you can't, you can't use the rules, whatever the rules are of your team, but they're not going to pick up the ball for somebody else. And they're not going to interrupt somebody else's game. So they're going to hold the vision, but they're not going to interrupt somebody else's role. Because what happens the first time that I pick up the ball for the first baseman and I hand it to the first baseman, do you think the next time it goes over the first baseman's head, that first baseman's going to be really quick to turn around and grab that ball? Now I'll tell you where that first baseman's going to look to me. Because I have now taught the first baseman that it's my job to pick up overthrows. And that right fielder that's going to come and, and cover first base, they're not coming to running because they're trusting that I'm going to do it. So now I have become the backup for first. Now, here's what I see all the time. And listen very carefully because this is what I call fireman leadership. What happens is that there's a person in, in your company, maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody else, that everybody brings their problems to. So think about I'm standing behind the first baseman and the balls just keep flying. And I keep picking it up and I hand it back to the first baseman or I throw it into the pitcher. And every single time I do that, my arm gets a little bit tired. And then by the end of the night, my arm is really tired, like hurting almost. And then I wonder, why is my arm so tired? And I'm starting to complain about my arm. See, this is what's happening in environment leadership. We put out the fires. Somebody comes to us and says, hey, I have a problem. And instead of supporting them and understanding how they can solve the problem in fireman leadership, we put out the fire. We say, hey, thanks for bringing this fire to my attention. I'll get my hose out and put it out. And you do that 10, 20, 30, 40 times a day. And all of a sudden you're wondering, why do I have so many fires? It's because you stepped out of your clear role position into everybody else's roles. And now those people come to you to solve their problem. It's not because they can't solve their problem. It's because you're solving it for them. And so the biggest thing, if this is you, if you want to create a winning team, you get to put your hose away. Put the hose away and say, I'm not going to solve anybody's problem for them. What I'm going to do is support them in solving their own problem. Big difference there. And it's about having a clear role and being able to respect the roles that you have. Do not overstep them. And when you find yourself overstepping them, when you find yourself getting that hose out, being willing to say, oh, I realized I just got my hose out or I put that fire out for you. I stepped over the line. Next time, what you can expect of me is to support you in solving the problem. Now, people like it when you solve their problems. But that's not really growing other people. It's not growing a team. And so if you want a team that's going to win, you have clear roles. You know where the boundaries are and you don't step over them. And if you do, you acknowledge it. I mean, we have so much to talk about in why some teams win and others don't. But first, we're going to go on a quick break. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Enjoy this quick break. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? 
Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And so we have talked about why some teams win and others don't. We've introduced the first two reasons. There's actually five. We've introduced the first two reasons of why some teams win and others don't. The first one being vision. We get to have a solid vision and purpose for why we're here on this team. If you're questioning whether or not your team has a solid vision, just ask them, what do you think your purpose is? What's the vision of this team? And if they're not saying the same thing that you want them to say, you have a vision gap. And you get to go back to last week's show and learn about how you actually articulate your vision to a team and roll other people in that vision. Get them excited about it. So that's number one. Number two is about having clear roles, knowing what your role is in each role of everybody on the team. Now, everybody gets to know what everybody else's roles are. So it's not hidden. It's very clearly defined what my role is and what somebody else's is. And if you choose to break over those lines, and a lot of people, the language we would use was I accidentally stepped over into somebody else's role. If that happens, then it's, it's okay. It's not the end of the world, but we get to acknowledge it because oftentimes when we don't acknowledge it, it gets blurred and then we're not really sure whose role it is. I did this whole survey that said, what's your biggest challenge working in teams? And one of the biggest challenges was undefined roles. People don't want to play in ambiguity. And when we get into undefined roles, that's what we're talking about. So number three, number three, and this one is a big one. This is about our team mix. So I was telling you earlier about A players versus B, C, D players. And I would rather work with a team of B players, meaning they're not as, they're still very proficient, but they're not as proficient as the A players, but they're open to playing as a team. Whereas the A players want to run and play by themselves. Another way to define this is the superstars. Somebody that's a superstar, they are really shining independently. They hit every benchmark, but they do it alone. Those, let's just say they're A, they're an A player. But the B player is somebody that, that still hits every benchmark, but isn't quite shining as brightly as the superstar, but they play as a team well. Would you rather have B players or A players? So knowing your, your individual players and how they function as a team is really important. Now, next week on the show, we're talking about communication styles, which is one of really my favorite things to talk about. It's about how we each interact, so how we show up. So naturally, are you somebody who likes to talk loud and you're really peppy? If that's you, you are the, I got it. I, we're going to do this as a team, like the cheerleader of the team. If that's you, you really fall more in the promoter space. Now, teams really need promoters. If you don't have a promoter on your team, you can get really bored really fast. It can feel like all we're doing is work all the time. Now, your team also needs a supporter. The supporter are those people that really make you feel seen, 
heard, loved. They're the ones that make you feel important and valued. They see your skills. They see your gifts. But the, the challenge with the supporter is that they're not always driving forward into the work. They're really focused on the interpersonal relationship. So it's really important to have supporters on your team. If you don't have a supporter on your team, you can feel like nobody really cares. So promoters and supporters, big assets to teams. And then you've got analyzers. These are the ones that are focused on the details. They care about what... Uh, what the project requirements are. And they are always checking in their minds is what we're talking about, what we're creating, does that meet the requirements that were asked of us? They're the ones that know the budget backwards and forwards to the penny. They're the ones that know the deadlines and the timelines. They're the ones that hold you to urgency. Now it's very important to have analyzers on your team, but if you had all analyzers on your team, you might get stuck in analysis paralysis, which means you can't actually move forward because you're so stuck in the details. And so that's why we don't want a team of all analyzers. And then we have controllers. Controllers are the ones that drive things forward. Controllers are the ones where if you say, hey, we've got to hit a million dollar budget. So we've got to get a million dollars in sales in 48 hours. In, let's go. The controller didn't even hear the you're in, let's go because the controller was already out creating it. Hear that, friends? The controller was already out creating it. They've already moved forward thinking about who do I get to call to create this million dollars? Let's go. Now, the controllers don't often bring the promoters, supporters, and analyzers with them. The controllers like to play alone. The controllers don't want to be slowed down by a team. Controllers don't often pay attention to the details. So they'll go get a million dollars of business, but it may not have anything to do with the requirements of the team, of the actual project or the vision that was set. But they've got a million dollars. They got a million dollars. So they, they heard that part, but they missed the other parts. And the controllers can often drive the other people, the, the promoter supporters, analyzers, crazy because the controllers are the ones at 2 a.m. in the morning when everybody else wants to go to sleep, they're saying, come on, just three more calls. Let's go, wake them up, let's go. It doesn't matter if your clients are sleeping and they've been asleep for six hours, this is important. And when you wake them up, they will care. That's the controller. So there are, none of these are wrong. These are all really important components of a team. But what often happens is that when the teams are put together, we miss one of these categories. We may load the team with supporters and analyzers and promoters, but we forget the, the controllers. And then we wonder why we're not moving forward as a team. Or we may load the team with promoters, supporters, and controllers, and we wonder why we're not on budget and we're not on time. We may load the team with supporters, controllers, and analyzers, but we don't have promoters, and we wonder why everybody is so tired and burnt out. And we may load with promoters, controllers, and analyzers, and we wonder why Everyone feels like this is all about the money. So hear this and that a team is made up of all of these. And so when we talk about the team mix, it's really important to understand individually who you've got on your team. And then as a collective, do we fit all of those buckets? Which piece is missing? Which will tell you a lot about the team dynamic. And typically you can pick that up when you start to listen to the people on the team who say, 
if it's I'm tired or I was just talking about the Savannah bananas, they've got some heavy promoter because they have a really cool brand. They've got the bananas. These are this yellow bananas, this bright electrifying brand. In fact, on the tickets in the corner, it says electrifying, a heavy promoter. As somebody who has quite a bit of promoter in me, I'm very excited by that. This is going to be fun. Now, my husband said, when we go to Kansas City, like, what field are they playing on? And I looked at him and said, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. It's in Kansas City. I didn't, know, I didn't know they were playing the Monarchs. So he spends five seconds, Googles it, and he goes, oh, we're going to this field. Now, that may or may not have been in the email. I have no idea. And quite frankly, I don't care. It does not matter to me until we get in the car to go to Kansas City. Actually, not even then. It matters to me when we get to Kansas City because then we got to know where we're headed. Where is the car going to? But to get from Des Moines to Kansas City, it really doesn't matter. My analyzer in this case was very low. Now, was it in the email? Perhaps. But it may not have been. I don't know. That was the first thing. My husband has much higher analyzer. And so that was the first thing that he asked. Hear that difference? If you didn't have that analyzer on the team, you wouldn't even know necessarily where you're going, but you know when you get there, it's going to be amazing. That's the promoter piece. And so it's really important to really have all of these categories covered on your team because that's what makes the entirety of the picture. So how do you know what each of your team is? Next week, we're going to dig into that specifically. So we'll give way more details on actually assessing. And what do you do if you've got somebody that's missing in that category? But for this week, what we're talking about is understanding that that team mix is really important and knowing that you could have one of those that's missing on a team. And then you get to really look at who gets to, gets to be replaced or what do you get to add to the team to round that team out? So whenever you've got somebody in the team, when you see burnout, for example, burnout generally means that somebody that maybe is a natural promoter is working in a controller space all the time. So they're working against their natural traits. We all are all of these. It's just, I'm an analyzer. I'm a former CPA for crying out loud. I know details. It's just, that's not where my mind goes first. So if I spent all day as a CPA and I was with numbers every day, every moment of the day, I would be exhausted at the end of the day. Whenever I spend a lot of time in QuickBooks, I'm, I'm tired because that's not my natural space. And so that isn't well-rounded. Somebody is going to fill one of those roles. That's just not their natural spot. And that's when you start to get into tension. And that's when you see these, these team members who are really great, but they're on a failing team. It's usually because there's something that's not being fulfilled in one of those quadrants. So that team mix is off. And we get to fill that. You can even use this for hiring. So when you're thinking about who, who should I hire, who should I look for, like HR, typically you want somebody that's got a lot of, little bit higher supporter. I have seen companies that have put somebody that's in a little bit more controller in the HR role. And typically what happens is that the employees don't feel heard. Because remember that supporter is really good at understanding and feeling and showing somebody their value. Whereas the controller just says, let's get it done. Come on, let's get it done. They're really great at moving things forward. And so that's the difference when you look at this team mix. It's really important to have that self-awareness both on an individual level and on a team level.
So I see a lot of companies, they will do these individual like Enneagram or DISC or Berkman or any of these, these profile tests. And they're awesome to do individually. And look at your teams as well. Look at your team mixture and make sure that you've got all of these quadrants covered because that's what's going to make a really powerful team. And Jesse Cole will use them again. He knows that. It's why he doesn't run the concession stands. We talked about that on our show too. His wife actually is very complimentary to him and focuses on the details. She knows the budget and the pricing. If it was up to Jesse, they would give away food all the time. He, he told us that he... He tested that out, and the first time that they did it, they lost a ton of money, and it took forever. It was a total flop. So he knew that in his mind, he did it in a total promoter way. He just said, let's give away food, and it's going to be awesome. So for your the price of the $20 ticket, it was all food included. But he put somebody around him, in this case his wife, who understood Analyzer, who had those detailed mindsets. And then when she partnered up with them, then she could say, oh, okay, here are the holes we get to fill. And Jesse knew that there were holes there, but she got to fill them. So think about what this means for your company. Where are those holes on your team? Because when you can identify where these holes are, then you can build that powerful team. So I've seen a lot of teams that I know just just with one little tweak of their mix, their team mix, they could fly. They could reach totally new levels. And it all has to do with their team mix. So this is really, really important. Then we've got two more components to why some teams win and others don't. But before we reveal those, we're going to go on another quick break. You're listening to The Kathleen Recent Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. We will be back in just a minute. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Recent Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Recent for your next event at KathleenRecent.com. That's KathleenRecent.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to the Kathleen Recent Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Recent Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we've been talking all about why some teams win and others don't. And I've been revealing the five steps that I believe are the difference between why teams with average players can really perform really, really well and actually outperform superstars using these five steps. So the first one was vision. The second one was having clear roles. The third one was team mix. And so now we're into the fourth one. Now, this fourth one is about an opened mindset. And we've talked about this a couple different times 
throughout the show already, but we're going to call it forward now. The team, each, each of the team members gets to be open to growth. If we say we already know how to do this, which is oftentimes what I see happen with superstars. They say, I've already got a working solution. I don't need to move forward with something new. This, I already know how it's going to work. If that is the mindset of somebody on your team, that is actually a toxic mindset. I'm working with a company right now who has somebody on their team that has that mindset. Like in and of itself, this person has really created some pretty massive impact for the company. And so, so, so get to, we get to honor that this person has made that impact. And what was the next level for this person was running a team. And this person has, in my experience, zero ability to run a team. It's not that they're not capable. It's that this gentleman has no desire. And that means that he, that he can't, no matter what kind of coaching, he is not open to learning how to manage a team and he does not have skills in that area. And so because he's not willing to, he is stunted in his growth and development within that company because the next level for him, there's only so far you can go as a superstar, but because he's not willing to develop other people, where's he going to go in this company? And so I've got to have the conversation with his leadership to say, look, you've got a person here who not only is, is not open to leading others, he's actually closed to supporting others. If it's not about him and his growth, he doesn't want to play team. So he's bringing the team down. And unfortunately, that doesn't work. Because if the people around you know that, they, that you really don't have their back, then you're actually a hindrance. And so my recommendation to this company is, we get to be really clear that there is nothing that we can do to support him in being open. And if that is the case, so he is not open, then he gets to leave the company. We get to support him in finding, finding somewhere else that he can really thrive because it's not going to be with this company. And that may sound harsh, but the reality is once he is established that he is there for himself and himself only, he becomes toxic to the rest of the organization. So even though he can perform really, really well on his own, He's not open to supporting the team and the growth. And this company, and this is the key piece, this company is about the growth of the organization and the people in it. It's not about a one superstar. It's about creating a team that can go really far. So if you want to go really, really far on your own, that's one thing. But that is not the kind of people that they want to create and harness at this organization. Because if you've got one person that's really winning and another person that's not, you're not really creating a, a great organization. So what's going to happen to the person that's not winning? They're probably going to leave. And it's not that they're not a quality person. It's that they get to be coached and developed and, and, and brought forward. So you get to keep your superstars if they're willing to play team. The next level for a superstar is willing to look over their shoulder and say, who do I get to bring with me? And if the superstars are not willing to do that, and you have an organization that's highly focused on team, they're probably not a fit. And so having an open mindset is really important. Any company that I've ever run, the goal is open mindset, open to growth. So I've had people say to me before, Kathleen, how do you decide when somebody has, continues to have a role in your organization or not? And so I say the same thing that I say in my companies or when I'm coaching somebody else, I say, this is what I ask. Are they open to coaching? 
And if the answer is yes, truly yes, I don't mean like we wish and we hope that they are, but if they're truly open, they have an open mindset, then there's a space for them. And as long as we can cash flow, like that's really important too. But we're talking about just all, all things considered saying, hey, do they have a role in this team or not? If they're open, then most likely they have a role on the team. But if they're closed and they are not going to change, then you got to get them off your team as soon as possible because they become toxic to everyone else. Then what happens is your players that really, really could thrive, they're either going to leave or worse yet, they're not going to leave. They're going to be burnt out. They're going to bring the rest of the team down because they're tired and they see that this one person who may be a superstar in their own rights is toxic. And so they're not going to show up at their full potential because, hey, guess what? That guy or that lady or that person is not somebody I want to work with and the organization's not doing anything about it. So guess what? I'm just going to sit back here and do my own thing. And that is why I see a lot of teams fail. So this is some of the hard conversations that you get to have in saying, are they open to coaching? So a lot of times you can really just ask, are you open to coaching? Are you open to feedback? If you consistently get a no, I'm not, well, that's a, that's a really good signal that they're not open. Sometimes they say yes, but then every time you give feedback or you give coaching, they're sitting there arms crossed and you can tell that it is not landing. Or you get feedback, they say, I hear you, but none of it ever gets put into action. Those are some great signs that they're not really open. And so in that case, get them out. Get them out. So that is really having an open mindset. So when you have a team that has an open mindset, you can create massive results. And number five, I'm going to share with you step five. And this one is about how we stand as an interruption for each other. Now, I don't mean this as we're literally interrupting. Somebody's talking and I interrupt them. I mean that we each have our own sets of of gifts. We each have our own superstar in our own right. We each have something that we're really good at. And we each have things that hold us back. The things that hold us back, I term our blind spots. You've probably heard that when you're driving in the car, there's a a part of the rear view mirror you can't see. So you can't necessarily see the car just to your left or just to your right. They're there, but you can't see it. Now, everyone else around can see that car, but you can't see it. And that's the same thing with your own personal blind spot. Now, I was was at a company the other day and I was demonstrating blind spots. And so I had a, a person come up to the front of the room and I took a sticker. I did not show the sticker to this person ahead of time. And I put it on this person's back. And this person was sure that I had put a kick me sign on their back. I did not put a kick me sign on their back, but they were just so positive that I put a kick me sign on their back. And so I had them turn around so that the audience could see what this sticker was, but they couldn't see it. And so I said to the person that had a sticker on here, I said, okay, you're allowed to ask yes and no questions to the audience. You have four minutes at the end of the four minutes or before that, tell me what the sticker is. So this person asked some yes or no questions. The very first one is, is this a kick me sign in the audience? I thought maybe one person in the audience would, would answer. No, the whole audience played along and they all answered together, which was beautiful because they could all see it, but he couldn't. And so <coughs> a full four minutes went by and this person did not know what it was. And so finally at the end of four minutes, I cut him off and I said, to the audience, are you guys crystal clear on what is on this person's back? They all said, oh, yes, of course. And the guy that was up there, the person, 
He's like, then what is it? He was so exacerbated because he'd spent four minutes sure that he knew what it was and they just weren't telling him. I couldn't have made this up any better than how it played out. And so I took the sticker off his back and I showed it to him. And it was a Mickey Mouse sticker. He goes, Mickey Mouse. And I said to the audience, this is your blind spot. Not Mickey Mouse, but this is your blind spot. It's so crystal clear to everyone else around you, but you can't see it. And so what is your Mickey Mouse? What is your blind spot? The only way that you're going to know your blind spot is if you're willing to ask the people around you what your blind spot is. And if the people around you are willing to give you that feedback and tell you it. When you have a team that has that kind of dialogue and that trust with each other to say, hey, my experience, and we've talked about language before. We're actually here uh, in two weeks, we're going to talk about languaging. Languaging is so important. But here we say, my experience of you is, this is your blind spot. And so when we're able to share with people what their blind spot is, like for example, my blind spot, this is me, Kathleen Reese, and I'm sharing my blind spot with you. I've got a blind spot that's, I've got it. So in quotes, I've got it. And that means when things get really hard, I, Kathleen Reeson, tend to think that I can just handle it all. Perfect example, last week, on last week's show, I shared with you how I fell at the beginning of January. It went from not being so bad to not being able to walk, being on crutches, going to the ER, getting hydrocodone and being on that for a week. At the same time, my dad was in and out of the hospital twice, like in and out for about four to five days each. There was a moment where I called my sister who lives in Chicago and I said, can you come? But it didn't sound like that. I was in tears. Now, I don't really cry very much, but at that point I was in so much pain and I just didn't have it. I didn't have it all together. But I know that my tendency when I get stressed is I tend to bring everything in and say, no, I'll just work harder and do more. But the people around me, the people closest to me, they know that that's my blind spot. They've shared that with me before. I am crystal clear that that is my blind spot. And so when they see me start to get stressed and I don't recognize that I'm in my blind spot, they're the first to say, hey, I think your blind spot is showing up. When I was in an immense amount of pain because of my leg, it was 3 a.m. in the morning and my husband says, I think we need to go to the emergency room. And I'm fighting it because Kathleen's got it. Kathleen can just suffer through this. It's okay. And my husband said, breathe, Kathleen. You don't have to get this. We can just go to the emergency room. And at that point, working through that, knowing that that's my blind spot and knowing that I can receive support is huge. But my husband was willing to stand for me. I have people in my businesses that are willing to stand for me and show me my blind spot. And the question is, do you? Are your teams set up so that you guys acknowledge blind spots and celebrate them when they show up? Hey, your blind spot's here. Are you having that level of conversation? Because this is huge. What's your Mickey? Even as a team, having that dialogue about knowing what other people's blind spots are so that you can call them forward when you see them, that's next level. That is is a team that is playing at a winner's level. And if you want to play at a really big level, these are the conversations you get to have. Because the harder that we play, the stretchier that we go, the more that we we grow ourselves and our teams, the more stuff that's going to get in our way. 
the more stressed we're going to be, the more our blind spots are going to come out. And unless we're having these conversations about what our blind spots are and sharing it with our team, which takes vulnerability for me to say, when I get stressed, I will take it on. And this is what it's going to look like. And here's how it's going to sound. And hey, by the way, it's probably going to be a little bit more judgmental. And I'm saying that nicely, a little bit more. I can take that out. It's just going to be judgmental. It's going to sound mean. When I get stressed, I get mean. If that is Honest to God, that is what happens with a lot of us. We're not mean-hearted or mean-spirited, but that's a response that we have when we get stressed. And so do you know your blind spot? Now, some of us will just say, yeah, yeah, I know my blind spot. But the reality is if you haven't had this conversation with somebody that you trust, you don't see what they see. And just like driving your car where those cars are next to you, you can't see those cars. When they're in your blind spot, you can't see them. So you cannot identify your own blind spot. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. So is your team having this conversation about blind spots? This is one of the best, that, that Mickey sticker, that is one of the best things to facilitate because you just get it. You just get it that, oh, I can't know my own blind spot. I get to ask somebody that knows me what it is. All right, we're going to go on a quick break. When we get back, we're going to wrap up all we're talking about so that you can create a team that wins consistently. Enjoy this quick break. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Why some teams win and others don't, that's been our topic all day today. And so we've really talked about five different reasons. The five, think of it as a recipe for success. If you wanna be a team that wins consistently, you gotta have all five of these in place, okay? So number one, number one is vision. Have a crystal clear vision, know where your team is headed. If you're not sure, or you just think, hey, uh, my team's got this vision thing down, do a gut check. Ask your team members, hey, what's our vision? Why are we here? And see what they say. If even one of them is different than what you believe the vision is, you've got to break down a vision. And then you get to go back, be crystal clear on the vision, and enroll the team in the vision. That's your next level. Number two, having clearly defined roles, knowing where each person gets to play. Knowing that if you step over those roles, that it's okay, it's not the end of the world, but you get to acknowledge it. Otherwise, this will become part of your role. Don't be the fireman leader. Don't be the one that gets the hose out. Every time somebody comes with a problem, they bring you the fire and you put the fire out. They bring you another fire, they put the fire out. You're not teaching anybody how to solve a problem. You're not working together as a team. You're not growing anyone else. You're just being a fire person. Let's be correct here, fire person leader. That doesn't work. Okay, so having clear roles, being willing to stick to them, and when you cross over them, acknowledging that you are, and, and making sure that everyone can understand where you come from next. So this is my role. I know I stepped over it. And in the future, what you can count on from me is 
whatever that is. So clearly defined roles. Number three, this one is about the team mix, knowing where each of your team members sits individually and as a whole. Remember the quadrants we talked about, promoter, supporter, controller, analyzer. You've got people on your teams right now, you included, that represent all of those quadrants or a portion of them. Your goal is that they represent all of them. And if your team is not performing as well as you think it could, there's probably a breakdown in one of those areas, meaning you are stronger in another area than one of the other areas. In teams that win, they have all of those four components together. So you really look at your team mix and understand both individually and as a team, how are you balanced? Number four, open mindset. Everyone on your team gets to have an open and a growth mindset, meaning I'm open to feedback. I'm open to coaching. I know that I may not know everything and it's okay. Ego does not work in a team. When ego shows up, then we have problems because ego is about one person. And you've heard the cliche, there is no I in team. Well, clearly, yes, it's spelled T-E-A-M. There is no I in team. But it's also when you play team, you are committed to not playing self. You're committed to the team vision, even if it doesn't align with your own personal vision. When you play team, you're committed to the team vision. Let me give you just a quick scenario about this one. I joined a, I was, became a member of a national organization. So I was on the board of this national organization. This was probably five years ago. And I had been on the local level, the district level, and then I got a seat on the national board. Now, this was in the advertising industry. I was on the board with some really big players, like uh, the chief marketing officer for Coca-Cola and FedEx. And so just really big, uh, big brands. So it was really cool to be a part of that. Well, with that, there were some decisions that were made that, that affected the advertising industry that I didn't agree with. And they weren't necessarily in the best interest of my constituents, but they were the best interest of this organization as a whole. And that was a really big challenge for me to say, where is my commitment? Is my commitment to me? Is my commitment to my local constituents? Or is my commitment to the national organization as a whole? And I got to really check the vision. Why are we here? What's the purpose of this organization? What did I agree to? And once I knew that, I knew where I got to go. But that was a really tough time for me to understand, okay, what is the vision here? Which vision am I holding? And who am I representing? Because when, when I lost sight of that, it got really stressful really fast. And that's what happens in teams a lot is when we say, okay, so the team vision is this, but my personal vision is different. And so what do I do? This can happen. And that's when we're talking about being open. We get to be open to really checking back in with the vision, being open to coaching, being open to being honest about what's coming up around maybe shifts in visions. So these things are all really, really important. And then number five is about being an interruption to other people's blind spots. So are we even aware of what those blind spots are? Are we sharing? Are we asking what our blind spots are? really powerful teams that win are having these conversations. So be a part of that. Ask somebody today. Here's my invitation to you. Ask them, what is my blind spot? Now give them some languaging so they know what blind spots are, but what is my blind spot? And then be open, which is number four, be open to what they say. 
because it can be really easy to say, oh, no, that's not my blind spot. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> Go ask somebody else. And if they say the same thing, probably your blind spot. Probably your blind spot. Okay, so vision, clear roles, then team mix, stand, being open and standing as an interruption to others' blind spots, being willing to call them forward when you see their blind spot coming out. Those are all really important. And when you use those five steps, when those are working in your team, you have a winning team. You have a winning team. You are set up for success. So yay, <laughs> I make it sound so simple. Yet that's the recipe right there. So next week, and we talked about, we're talking about languaging, what's your communication patterns reveal about you? So we're going to talk about the words, the cues that you may be using and that others use to understand what's actually happening, what they're thinking. You can tell somebody's mindset based on the little nuances in the words that they choose. I'll give you a little hint. There's a three-letter word that drives me crazy, and Yoda said it first. Do or do not, there is no try. When you hear somebody use the word try, it means they have a back door. It means that they aren't really committed. So there are lots of words in our language that actually indicate where our mindset is. And we're going to talk all about that next week. Then the week after that, we're going to go into the communication styles. So understanding that promoter, controller, analyzer, supporter that we talked about, we're going to dig into that to how to understand what you are, which are your strongest areas and the people around you. And then the week after that, because we have such an incredible lineup, I want to share them all. The week after that, we're actually talking about what do I do when the person that I'm leading is so unlike me, I kind of want to punch them all the time, but I know I can't do that. So how do I actually work with them? So I know I say that where it's kind of funny. <laughs> we don't really want to punch people at work, especially if it's virtual. That's a whole other dynamic. But how do I work with somebody that's so different than me, that drives me nuts, but yet I still get to play team with them. I still get to guide them or coach them. What do I do then? So that's what we're going to dig into in our conversation here in a few weeks. So we've got a big lineup. I appreciate that you spend the time with me. I come live each and every Monday with these shows to provide education and guidance in the areas of teen development, that emotional intelligence and learning. So this is one of my gifts out to the world. And if you have any questions or you are interested in me coming to speak with your organization or to coach on any of these topics with your organization, just reach out to me, Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. I've got the easiest way to get a hold of me, Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. So your homework between now and next week is to ask someone around you, what's my blind spot? Now you can tell them that a blind spot is something that we can't see, but that it gets in our way. So for example, mine is, I've got it. And that doesn't always work. So what's your blind spot? Go ask somebody. Have a great week. I will see you next Monday. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.